1: Michigan, unbeaten, no more. Piling on now is Iowa as they crack the fifty mark against the mighty Buckeyes.
0: But when his number was called, seven got six. Hello and welcome to Spoko Radio. My name is Jerry Sherwin, filling in for D.C., who is over in the motherland for New Year's Eve. With me, as always, is the people's champ. Champ, how are you feeling after the Holiday Bowl? Oh, I'm feeling
1: wonderfully. Just an absolute massacre that Iowa did to USC in the Pac-12. Basically just said, we're a better conference, we're a better team, and we're going to show you in every single way possible in that game. And that's exactly what they did.
0: That's exactly what they did. We will be getting to that shortly, but before we get to the meat of today's show, I just want to remind you all to please subscribe, follow, and share our podcast. We are every single place you can get a podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Uh, if there is some sort of Android play, I don't know. I don't have an Android phone, but if there is, we're on it. Go ahead and subscribe. Share it with your friends. We want to make sure that 2020 is the best year ever for Spoko Radio and the three of us who have done many ventures on the microphones at this point. Now, Champ, before we get into the Holiday Bowl, we usually like to start with a question. DC has is kind of a lot better at tossing this up. So one thing that just came to my mind is, what are your New Year's resolutions for the Iowa Hawkeye basketball and football team going into 2020.
1: So my new I'll start with basketball. My New Year's resolution for the basketball team, it's simple. It's not even really a resolution. It's just something I want to have happen. And I want them to be fully healthy in 2020. I want guys to come back. I want obviously not the remainder of this year, but more looking towards next year's team. I want Jaybo to be back. I want Nunji to be back. I want McCaffrey to be there and healthy. And I want them all contributing to this team and making it a top two or three team in the conference. And I very well believe... Next year, if everybody comes back, Garza, Wheezy, Jaybo if they all come back, this can be a top-end team in the Big Ten. They're showing what they can be right now even without these guys. They're showing they're a definite tournament team looking at you know, Ken Palm. They're moving up the Ken Palm rankings. They're at 19 right now. Number two offense in the entire nation right now on Ken Ooh. Palm, which is remarkable, especially with the injuries that they've had. But, yeah, that's my New Year's resolution for the basketball team. Just get healthy and have a fully healthy team for 2020. 20 season, and who knows? Maybe we make a run to the Elite Eight or Final Four. That would be remarkable.
0: Well, I used to the question right out of my mouth because JP and I see the the site runner for us. Um, we had a couple of Fridays ago, did our Friday free all and he he is fully on board with Iowa making the Final Four next year. What would you put the odds of that happening at right now? If let's say everybody comes back healthy and Jobo stays, so
1: everybody comes back, Jobo stays, I. This may sound optimistic, but I would put it at like a nine percent chance that they make the final four. That seems high because that's a good chance. In, <laughs> yeah. in our lifetime, we've never seen really a, a, an Iowa basketball team come close to making the final four. So if the, if they do, it would be awesome. I, I put it at an, a nine percent chance. <laughs> I mean, literally, Garza would be a senior, Weezy would be a junior. You know, the only guy we really lose out of our rotation is Creener, And, I mean, he's like our seventh or eighth man right now. He had an exceptional game against Kennesaw State. We'll talk about that later. But, I mean, really not losing a lot. If everybody comes back, this is a veteran-laden team with some good recruits coming in as well, some freshmen that could step in play, you know, maybe getting McCaffrey back as well. He can contribute. Connor showing what he can do. This, I mean, they'd be a dangerous team. And i put it at about a 9% shot that they could be a Final Four team next year.
0: All right, and what is your football resolution?
1: So my New Year's resolution for the football team is is specifically for one man, and that's Brian Ferentz, and I want him to emulate exactly, literally exactly what he did in that USC game, the Holiday Bowl. I want him to put out a full season of play calling like he did against USC. It was a masterful job by Brian Ferentz. His best game called all – not all season, in his entire career as Iowa's offensive coordinator. That's it was. That's how impressive I thought that Iowa's offense looked. Not only the game calls, you know, the misdirection, the changing, rotating of guys in and out, using multiple tight ends, multiple running backs, multiple different formations. He did everything right in that USC game, and my New Year's resolution for the Iowa Hawkeye football team is for him to put a 2020 season together like he did just for that USC game, whether it's, you know, our boy, our freshman coming in and being the quarterback, or most likely Spencer Petras, which from everything I keep reading excites me just as much as Nate Stanley did. He's got the size, he's got the talent. Everybody is hyping him up. So if he has Spencer in there, Brian Ferentz can do exactly what he did in that USC game, and Iowa's offense is going to take off to a new level.
0: So going along with that, my football resolution is for the twenty nine or sorry twenty 2020- twenty. 2021 iowa hawkeye football team to attack every single week like they did against usc you mentioned his champ champion hit it right that was right on the head and we might as well get into the holiday bowl stuff and i'll come back around to basketball later but what brian ferentz was able to do today is what i've been clamoring for and honestly all three of us have been all season long the offense was carrying the defense for the first time this entire season And while the defense struggled against USC, who does have athletes, the Iowa offense continuously made big plays when they needed them the most. There was multiple, multiple third and long situations where Iowa, and starting off with Brian, they called the right thing. Nate Stanley put together his best performance of the entire season and probably his entire career. I don't know if you agree with that or not. There was a couple in the Iowa State games. The Ohio State game comes to mind as well. But I think this was his – best full game that i've seen him play and now that i don't have to be on his bandwagon anymore the dude put up some nfl tape champ
1: oh yeah i mean some of those throws he was making in that game opposite hash mark throws cannon getting the uh, the ball in tight spaces made a bunch of those type of throws and then the deep ball he had a couple nice touch deep balls that was his biggest bugaboo as a hawkeye primarily is missing on those deep threats But he hit a couple big ones in that game, and that offense was moving the ball left and right, mixing in the run and pass. And, yeah, they won that game. They put up 49 points. I understand, you know, they had a kickoff return for a touchdown and a defensive touchdown. But still, the offense putting up 35 of those 49 points Mm -hmm. is damn impressive considering – all I heard about was how they only averaged 20 points a game in the Big Ten. They're going to have to score more points to win this game. And that's exactly what they did. They shut up dipshit Matt Leiner and dipshit Reggie Bush in the pregame God, show. God, they're horrible. That said, I will not, you know, they've, they've never faced a team like USC this year. Yeah, okay, we faced a hell of a lot better teams than USC this <laughs> year, guys. And that's probably why we only averaged 20 points a game for a lot of those games is because the defenses in the Big Ten actually show up, unlike most other conferences. It seems like with these bowl games, the Big Twelve defenses show up, don't show up. The Pac Twelve defenses don't show up. It's crazy in college football that no defense is played besides you know the SEC and Big Ten.
0: I've been I've been screaming for this. and honestly, the ACC too. If you're you have to count Clemson in there, they yeah. play great defense, and what they did against Ohio State speaks for itself. But yeah, no, I Iowa. Iowa going into that game, I think I was a little worried because you're scared of the brand of USC. And I think because of that, a lot of the media and talking heads, they just they, they go towards the USC brand. And I don't blame them. USC should be getting better athletes than what Iowa gets in in, in a vacuum. But what people don't understand is what Brian Ferentz and company, Kirk Ferentz as well. They've opened up their hearts and their university to better brands of athletes. They're not just going after kids that would be walk-ons or Mac players. They're getting kids that actually have interest in coming here. And it all kind of started with that one weird class with, Eno Benjamin. And that also brought interest in Tristan Um And I believe it was one of the corners was on there too. Yeah, oh, Mike, Hankins was part of the, and
1: Ojemudie as
0: well. Yeah. And, Yeah, so all those guys, it started with them, and then we started bringing in a better brand of athlete, and I I don't think that's caught up with the Iowa brand, quote-unquote, yet, but I think now looking forward at the next six to nine years of Iowa football and the people that they're bringing in, the coaching staff that's in place that doesn't seem to have much turnover outside of, like, maybe a Ken O'Keefe that that might eventually either retire or might just go to another opportunity. Maybe we'll lose, like – seth wallace at some point that he might get a defensive coordinator position but the the majority of this faction at iowa is here to stay and these recruits are coming to play for them
1: yeah that that you talked about the athletes and that was the biggest thing to me coming out of this usc game all i heard about was how usc had 49 guys on their roster that were four and five star athletes but Iowa's athletes outperformed them the entire game. I mean, you look around just on the offensive side of the ball, and there is athletes left and right, not only your two tackles, super uber-athletic, your center, Tyler Lindenbaum, a super-athletic center, Freshman is going to be an All American before he leaves, you know, the University of Iowa. And yep. then you look at the outside receivers, and you have Amir Smith Marset who put on an absolute show—a kickoff return. Was, Go ahead. was
0: that the best? Was that the best receiving, like a receiver performance you've ever seen in an Iowa uniform? Like Darrell and Marvin put up some stuff, but what Amir Smith Marset did the other day was special. I
1: mean, that was the best. I would say skill position, not not including running back, because obviously Sean Green and running of backs course. have had huge games in the yep. past. But yep. as in terms of an outside, wide-out skill position, that's the best. I've, I mean, how could you get any better? He, he scores on a rush. He scores on a kickoff return where he literally – outruns the entire coverage just jumped
0: over like a half pile I
1: mean just and then just out sprinted everybody and then on the receiving end scores a touchdown as well just an exceptional performance and then Brandon Smith coming back from injury had a couple big plays in that game as well and it's just like uber athlete after uber athlete from Iowa and that's crazy to see like we've never had that in our time at Iowa just looking at the offensive side of the ball and be like man we're just gonna you know out athleticism these teams and Our talent is just going to be better. It's not even going to be about the scheme. It's not going to be about this. It's not going to be about that. It's going to be about, hey, we have better athletes, and we're going to go out there and shove it right down your throat and beat you with these athletes. And that's not even talking about the defensive side of the ball with guys like Geno Smith and the linebackers, and A.J. Epinesa controlling that second half of that game. Mm-hmm. He was wreaking havoc against USC. They couldn't even block him, and I, I just kept yelling out, why are you one-on-one blocking A.J. Epinesa? So silly. They just keep getting beat like a drum. He would just go right around, either bull rush that end, or go right around him and get to the quarterback. He manhandled that second half. That was We all know it's going to be his last game as a Hawkeye, and what a hell of a way to go out for A.J. Epinesa.
0: And honestly, like... A t- when he crushed the quarterback, I forget the the starter's name, but when he when he went for that like Khalil Mack strip sack and basically like yanked his arm out of the like his socket, uh. like that that completely affected and changed the game too. But then USC, like you mentioned, once they put their backup in on like every single third down and long, they left AJ alone with just one guy, and I just yeah like what, and that just gets back to the bigger point here. What does this University of Iowa do? They're a developmental program. And they've been able to develop some of these no star, one star, two star, gray shirt, walk on type guys and put them in the NFL. But now they're getting these three to four stars, but a lot, a lot of three stars coming in, which has a better, higher pedigree for the most part of athlete. And they're also still the developmental program. So when you bring a better brand of athlete into this program and they still have the same type of basically floor, Starting off with with the with with Doyle with Kirk Ferentz with Brian Ferentz with Phil Parker they come into this program like this is what I'm saying guys Iowa should be Wisconsin now. The next decade of Iowa football, it should be Iowa and Wisconsin trading places, going down to that last game of the season. We saw it here. This was the start of Brian Ferencz taking over. This was the start of him telling his dad, like, listen, you don't always just have to kind of do the inside zone. Look at how we can attack the outside. They went around the ends all day. Th- that was a purposeful attack that Brian saw, and they completely attacked it, and it worked.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's great now to have what I think going forward, the best of both worlds. Not only, like you said, are they a developmental program where you can get these one or two-star guys and turn them into NFL players. They've done it in the past. There's numerous names you can you know, say right off the top of your head that they've turned into NFL talent. But now, like you said, when they get those three- and four-star guys that already have the talent – and you bring in this coaching staff to get them to that elite next level, there's no reason (laughs) that they shouldn't be competing for Big Ten championships year in and year out, at least representing the West in the Big Ten title, you know, three out of every five years or four out of every seven years, stuff like that. Like you said, it should be them in Wisconsin going back and forth. You know, every four or five years you throw in a random Minnesota or, or a random Northwestern, and that's fine. But as long as they're consistently competing, that's what we should all hope for. And I, I don't think there's any reason they shouldn't do that.
0: I uh, 100% agree. Now champ, we kind of touched on the holiday bowl. Obviously, Amir Smith marset was your offensive MVP. AJ Panesso was a stud. Michael Ojemudie had like a weird game, but I think he was actually really, really good. At, you know, especially in that second half, he made a lot of plays. He was fired up, jacked up. Um, but what I want to ask you is, what do you th- what at the end of the day, like when we look back at this season and we're talking about this in August? What are you going to remember from the Holiday Bowl, and what is it? Does it change any sort of outlook to what you have going into the twenty twenty season? So I touched on it
1: earlier, and what there was, it's it's to me it's the Brian Ferentz type game that he called. That's what I'm going to remember. It are you a believer the, now? I am. I'm fully on board now <laughs> with Brian Ferentz. That game <laughs> to me, he did everything you could ask for for an offensive coordinator. He like I said, switch formations, mixed personnel groups, ran outside, ran inside, set up the play, you know, play action, set up deep ball. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what you want as an offensive coordinator to to set up your team with the mo- most amount of success that you can. And that's exactly what he did. And going forward now, we should expect that type of game calling from Brian Ferentz. If he can put it together, I understand he had a couple more weeks of preparation, so obviously you're not going to expect Iowa to score 50 points every week. That's not what I'm asking. But for him to do what he did in that game, it shows that it can be done, and Nate played wonderfully. He's going to have some growing pains with Spencer because he's going to be a young quarterback. We all have to expect that going in. But all these playmakers are coming back. I mean – Everybody on the offense, whether it's the you know the wideouts, they're all coming back. Tyler Goodson, obviously, is coming back. Sam the Laporta. Old, the Sam Laporta, who had an exceptional game. Your boy, he showed out. He's going to be a great tight end for Iowa. He's going to just That continues. catch where
0: he jumped as high in the air as he possibly could to nab it, it on like a, a third gun. and long. I mean,
1: that was a gun by Nate Stanley. Yeah. He went up and got that. I mean, the only guy we're most likely going to lose is Tristan Wirfs. And – Iowa's proven they can, you know, develop offensive linemen, so I'm not too worried about that. But yep. all these skill players, adding Oliver Martin to the mix next year too, because you know Maybe. he's going to get involved. I mean, Nico Reganey, Tyrone Trey. I mean, the talent is just so bountiful going into next year that bountiful. spencer petrus is gonna i mean he's gonna impress some people because he's just gonna i mean the just literally get the ball out of your hands give it to tyler goodson and let these guys make plays and they can do that and that was my biggest takeaway from the holiday bowl and it for a bowl game that we you know we were all kind of excited but not like overly like pumped up for it because it's a you know a random bowl game. They went nine and three, whatever. But coming out of that game, it got me. I know it probably got you too, DC as well. We were all jacked on our text thread, texting back and forth, yep. and I think that's great going into the offseason, Something to, a nice jumping off point for next year.
0: Totally, and I, I was pretty strong in the fact that like these bowl games don't mean much, and I still stand by that. In the in the in the grand scheme of things, like the, Iowa winning the Holiday Bowl doesn't mean anything. Like in terms of just like reality wins and losses, this meant nothing. But in the grand scheme of the entirety of the program, it was great exposure. I will put on a show. They were like the only game on that night, I'm pretty sure, from what I remember yep, on Friday they night.
1: And it was Goss and Klatt. I mean, two big-time guys calling the game too. That helps.
0: Calling the game, and they put on a great show. And and like you mentioned, we've, we've talked about it multiple times before. I've been the one guy on this show that's been blowing the Brian Ferentz horn. I've probably been the one guy on Twitter that's been consistently blowing the horn and telling everybody that this isn't just on him, but it's seems like yet again and we talked about it a little bit with the Nebraska game we talked about it a little bit with like the Minnesota game it just seems like Brian finally has even more control than he did and if they go into 2020 and he does these types of things I will I know that the schedule's tough and I know they have to go to the horseshoe I know that to play out Iowa State and Minnesota within five days of each other so but ridiculous, I was gonna,
1: by the way that it, schedule change
0: uh, totally outrageous and Kirk should really just throw some of his weight around but I was going to turn some heads next year. And Spencer Petrus. if you guys have not, if you don't have an athletic subscription, you guys need to go get one. Somebody should have bought it for you for Christmas. I'm sure they have $25 off right now for the year long. But Scott Docterman wrote a great piece. He's written a couple great pieces, and we mentioned him very much on the show because he's probably one of the best Iowa writers out there. But there's a piece today on Spencer Petrus. And basically, for those that haven't read it, is that the word on the street is he's got C.J. Beathard's personality and all of the arm talent of Nate Stanley. That's frightening. I
1: mean, it honestly, talking about the athletic and doctor, man. If the subscription alone just to read documents <laughs> pieces is worth it, let alone everything else sound i'm not I mean I'm not going to be like an athletic, oh my God, everybody needs to get it, but you do because the the, the pieces are worth it alone the subscription and yeah, that honestly, when I was reading it this morning, it gave me goosebumps thinking of what. Spencer could be, like you said, the moxie, the, you know, everything with C.J. Bether and then the arm strength of Nate Stanley. I mean, it could be the best of both worlds. I don't want to put too much pressure on the kid, but it's going to be exciting watching him get in there, the size, the ability that he has. I mean, it's going to be fun next year. I'm excited.
0: I told myself that I wouldn't be the guy that starts saying that Iowa might go perfect or only lose one game next year. But I'm already becoming that guy. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to start at six, seven, eight wins and work my way up or down. Like, I think I'm going to start at 10 wins and figure out if I want to go to nine or if I want to bump it up to 11 with Ohio State being the only one that we may lose. But I can still like this team is still fully loaded. Mm. And this quarterback, these, these guys really like him. Where do
1: you uh, think going into next year realistically? Where do you think Iowa is going to be ranked in terms of the polls going into next year?
0: They're going to they're going to immediately downgrade them because they're losing Stanley the senior quarterback and on top of it their right tackle and AJ Epinesa. So I think they finish around 13ish this year. Mm-hmm. Like 10 to 13 range but i think they start next season around like 19.
1: Yeah, i was going to say 20. i think that's like that right right in that like late rankings, but you know, can surprise some people. That's fine. I don't need them to start like 7th in the nation and have like crazy high expectations. Let them be there, you know, 18 to 22, somewhere in that range and oh, i was in the rankings again. They're just little old Iowa and then we just sneak up on some people and just smack them around. It's going to be great.
0: It's going to be wonderful. I'm already excited for next football season. This one just finished. Um, Champ, any other thoughts on the Holiday Bowl before we kind of close the chapter on that until DC gets back? One
1: thing I do want to mention in terms of a turning point in that game for me, and it, it, this has, we haven't really talked much about the defense besides AJ Epinesa. To me, the turning point in that game is when... USC gets the game within four early in the second half, Mm 28-24. They do the surprise onside kick. They recover it. All the momentum is with USC. The bench is going crazy. Helton's going fucking berserk on the bench. You can see Iowa's a little down. The defense just gave up a big, long drive to start the second half. And what do they do? The defense goes out there, three and out to that series, gets off the field without allowing any points. That was monumental in that game turned the entire game around. USC easily, tired-ass Iowa defense, just gave up a long drive. They could have easily went out there, scored a touchdown, went up three, had all the momentum, but no, Iowa's defense stood up. They got got off the field without allowing any points, and then Iowa immediately, the next drive, went right down the field on USC, went back up double digits, and the game was pretty much over after that point. Shout-out to the defense. That was a turning point for me.
0: No, you're absolutely right. I think – was that the one that ended in a fumble?
1: Uh, no, they punted on that drive, but the, then the ne- at, right after Iowa scored to go up 11, the next drive is when uh, Epinesa did, had the strip sack and knocked uh, Clovis or whatever the hell his name was out of the game, and that was it's just slowest. incredible.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I said it at the time on Twitter, I, I'm pretty sure that – Iowa desperately needed to get into half so Phil Parker can make his adjustments. But it seemed like right there on the fly, Phil Parker made those adjustments on that drive. You're absolutely right.
1: Yeah, it was awesome. Awesome to see. And
0: it just goes back to the thing that the most consistent thing that we've said all season long is Phil Parker. I don't know how much an assistant can really get. I don't know if you know if there's a cap, whatever the cap is, but he deserves all of it. And then like a couple different like Dodge and Nissan type of uh commercials or something to get them that little extra uh, backdrop.
1: Yeah, I mean, they didn't even – after that first drive of the second half, USC went scoreless. They didn't score again the entire half, and that's a credit to Parker. Defensive adjustments just did a great job that second half. Obviously, it helped that they knocked out the starter, but even with the backup who had come in earlier in the year and won USC a big yeah. game. They, you know, did a great job because he's another four-star guy just chilling on USC's bench to come in, and I would dominate it.
0: Yeah, Matt Fink wasn't wasn't too terrible. I think he was 12 for 18. Couldn't really get anything much going. Slovis, I, I do think that if Slovis stayed in that game, this probably would have been much, much closer. That guy could not miss. Um, it's pretty scary how often he was finding dudes wide open. Yeah. Um, but when you run that type of offense, I think that's kind of just what is kind of expected.
1: Yeah. I mean, they don't run the ball. All they do, they mention the Joel mentioned that about 47 times during the broadcast that they need to run. He's right. I mean, they did need to run the ball more. And they decided to just literally pass every down, and that's not going to win you many games.
0: Yeah. Including sacks. They, they had like 18 carries. Tyler Goodson had that on the day by himself.
1: Yeah, Exactly.
0: All right, so that's it for the Holiday Bowl. Champ, we did have a basketball game yesterday, too. I was flipping between that and the Eagles game. Um, We talked a little bit before about the resolution for basketball. You want a healthy 2020 season. What I want desperately this year is I want this team to go for at least they have the talent to win a couple games in the Big Ten tournament. That's my resolution. Start this year off with a bang by going deep in the Big Ten tournament. We are, I already think they're going to be a tournament team, and whatever happens in the tournament happens. I don't think they're going to be a Sweet 16 team. Maybe they win their first weekend game, and that'll be great. But I want them to do some damage in the Big Ten tournament for the first time since, what, 2005?
1: Yeah. I mean, my freshman year at Iowa was the last time I think they've even made the semis in the Big Ten tournament, let alone – getting and winning the entire thing that i mean that would be lovely get us get us to the weekend you know to saturday of the big 10 tournament
0: to the final
1: four and i think we would all be pretty jacked up about that
0: Absolutely. So that's my resolution for the team. You took the other one out of my mouth, getting healthy, getting this team right, getting Patrick McCaffrey to add about 20 pounds so he can actually bang in the Big Ten is absolutely uh, key for the next season. But Kennesaw State, probably the worst team I've ever seen play college basketball. We were joking around on the Blackhawk Old Pants Slack today that if an all-star WNBA team could beat them, I said yes eight out of ten times, they could probably get it done. Um but what are your thoughts overall on the basketball team to wrap up the show this week? What are you expecting as we get into uh, the rest of the Big 10 play with Penn State, I believe on the 4th coming up?
1: Yeah, I'm excited to get into Big 10 play. I think they had they accomplished a lot more than a lot most people thought they would uh in non-conference play. I think they played very well, respectable. I think they're now 11 and 3 or 10 and 3. 10 and 3 maybe. Uh yeah, ten and three, you know, in, in in out of conference play, the ranks, which is nice, getting in the AP poll, a little love there, and uh yeah, I'm just get back in a Big Ten play, you know, have a sh- I like that, you know, we talked about this a lot. Obviously, the Kennesaw State game was different because they were blowing them out, but having like a nice solid eight-man rotation is mm-hmm. wonderful. We don't need to play 11, 12 guys and get guys out of rhythm. It's fine to play your studs 32 to 35 minutes a game. Let them fucking get out there. There's plenty of (laughs) timeouts in college basketball. Every four minutes, there's a stoppage. You can manipulate, you know, some rest time with, you know, the 30 seconds before the stoppages and then bring them right back in after the stoppages. Plenty of time to do that. Play those eight, nine guys. And just let them roll. Luca Garza playing the best ball of anybody in the Big Ten right now. Just continue to feed him. He's so good. Let him feast down low. Let him step out, hit that little fifteen footer, even the threes sometimes, and just let him go to work. And it's uh, I I expect Iowa to be. I think there's 18 conference games. I believe I expect them to be like a solid 11 and seven in conference, and uh, that should get them a tournament bid for sure with their big wins non-conference wise. And that, you know, hopefully that gets them like a four or five
0: seed in the Big Ten tournament. So there's twenty conference games now and they've already played two.
1: Okay, so yeah, let's go. They're they're one and one in conference. Let's go ten and eight and let's go eleven and nine overall in conference. I think everybody would be pretty happy with that.
0: And honestly, that you're right on the money. Ken Palm has us projected right now at a 12 or 20 and 11 record, 11 and 9 in the conference. I do believe that they could be a little bit better than that right now. They have losses to um, Indiana, Minnesota, Ohio State, Michigan State in a row, and I, I don't see Iowa losing four in a row like that. This is a different team than like let's say the 2016 team where they went down to the end of the season and started losing a bunch. Granted, would I bet on it? Probably not, because that's what Fran McCaffrey teams tend to do. But um, the outlook for this Big Ten schedule, there's some weird teams. Like Maryland, half the time that I've watched them, I don't know who they are. Like, are they, does Turgeon have them as like a top five team? Or are they more close to, you know, kind of where I was at just with better athletes? I'm not too sure. Penn State, I'm not too much of a believer in, but I guess we'll find out on Saturday. the other thing I want to touch on too with the basketball team is I think we owe Connor McCaffrey an apology.
1: We do. I mean, we talked about it a, little, a couple weeks ago, but yeah, elaborate.
0: Go ahead. He, he still can't shoot the basketball. And every time, like, even I watched him shoot a couple against Kennesaw State, and it's just if he just stops shooting the three, but instead just continues to attack the basket, the guy's got one of the best free throw rates right now in the entire country. He makes his free throws. When he gets to the basket, he's actually scoring at around like a 50% clip. If he continues to do stuff like that and avoids shooting, I know like they're leaving you open for a reason. It's the old Jalen Rose adage. If you're that wide open, it's for a reason. Yep. So just go ahead, take a couple dribbles in. Maybe if a guy collapsed on you, somebody like Luca or Ryan Creener, or maybe even a guy like, uh, Wieskamp or CJ Frederick maybe a guy collapsed with you you kick it out to them and let them shoot the three-pointers but Connor McCaffrey has really stepped up in in terms of you know losing Jobo and I think we all really really just need to kind of just issue the apology
1: yeah I agree I mean he's been solid we talked about his assist to turnover ratio is one of the best in the nation and he's outperformed a lot anything that we could have expected and he He's going to get the minutes, obviously. Keep playing. Keep playing well. Keep getting the ball down to Luka because – we know he's one of the only people that can get have an entry pass to the big fella, so let him keep doing that and, yeah, continue to have success. And He's playing good defense, too. That's an underrated part of Conor McCaffrey. He's a pretty damn good defender. He doesn't follow a lot. He stays in front of guys. He creates uh, – he can guard like one through three pretty much. He can yep. guard your small forward. He's got enough size to do that, and he's playing well defensively.
0: Yeah, he's a little bit of a pit ball out there. He's definitely got his dad's spirit in him. There was a couple, like, bullshit calls when Iowa was up, like, 30 points that I went against him, and he was was all jacked up. So always good to see. Um, Champ, we have Penn State and then at Nebraska and then Maryland. Those are the next three games for the Hawkeyes. What do you think their total record is going to be in those three games?
1: Uh, I think they're going to go two and one. I think they're going to lose at Penn State. That's always been kind of a tough place for them to play. But it's I've at
0: been, the Palestra, even. It's not even at Penn State.
1: Oh, that's well, that might change my opinion. I'll still go two and one. I say they lose to Penn State. They beat Nebraska, and then they come home and they beat Maryland. If they can, it's we've seen it's very hard to win road games in the Big Ten. After the first like week of Big Ten play, like everybody in the conference was one and one because they literally won a home game and lost a mm-hmm. road game. So I think if they can split with the split the two road games, uh, Nebraska's not very good. You know Fred Hoiberg is <laughs> going to eventually get them good probably, but this year they're pretty shitty. So if they can split those two games, come home beat Maryland, I think we'll be well on track starting off Big Ten play uh, at three and two with their other uh, two games they've already played.
0: I agree with you. I think they're actually going to be Penn State as well in the palestra this week. And I think there's actually going to be a good amount of Hawkeye fans that are going. I looked at tickets to see if I can get over there. And they're going for like a couple hundred bucks. The stadium is small. It's kind of like like an old school, like Indiana-type high school stadium where it only seats maybe a couple thousand if that at all um and they're kind of right on top of each other it's an old sweat box type stadium but i think i was going to get that done they're going to smoke nebraska and i think they'll keep it close against maryland i wouldn't be shocked if they can come out um with that win but i I do think maryland has the athletes i just don't i don't know what the team that is i mentioned earlier so we'll see what happens
1: yeah i mean i think two and one we'd be pretty happy with that'd be a nice start to the big ten play
0: Yes, it would. All right, champ. Now, before we say goodbye to everybody, you have anything else you'd like to add about the Hawkeyes this week, or maybe just tell everybody one more time that you're on the Brian Ferentz bandwagon. I'm on
1: it. I'm all aboard the BF uh, bandwagon. I'm ready to roll. Excited for next year. I hope DC's having a wonderful trip in the homeland right now. Uh, it looks like he is from his uh, Instagram videos and such. So. Have a great rest of your trip, D.C. We look forward to being back with you next week when you return. And, yeah, uh, everybody have a happy new year. And uh, go Hawks.
0: Happy new year. Hiam to everybody. Enjoy. Be safe. Don't forget. Call an Uber and when you go and get into the Uber, tell them to put on the Spoko Radio podcast for your journey home.
1: Yeah, blast it. I'm sure the Uber drivers would love to listen to it. It gets off of their normal bullshit that they have to hear on New Year's Eve. The Kachas <laughs> and all that crap everybody wants to listen to. But tell them to put Spoko Radio on and fire that up in the old Uber.
0: I don't think they're listening to the Kesha anyway. I think it's probably just straight Lizzo. Uh, I mean, I can't hate. I love Lizzo myself, so... <laughs> Why men great till they got to be great. All right, everybody, for the people's champ, for D.C., who is in Israel, and your boy Jerry Sherwin, we are out. Take care. Happy New Year. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Trick or treat, Iowa City. If you don't love it, leave it. USA, number one.